It is well with my soul. The way, the way you sang it, I don't need to preach. It's so well with your souls that you don't need to hear a few reminders from the Lord about your thoughts. But knowing human nature, it won't take long for something to arise in your hearts and thoughts, and we want to know from the Word of God how we can deal with them in a way that would please Him. You may open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. It has already been mentioned in this assembly that we recently had a men's meeting where a brother testified of the destructive nature of thoughts. We know from personal experience that our thoughts can run amok about other people. And we can imagine things about them, and we can put constructions on their actions that affect us negatively as well. We will encounter in our lives people who have suffered under God's providence, and they will blame God for it. So what I want to do in the few minutes that I have is to deal with thoughts about yourself, thoughts about others, and thoughts about God. It's impossible to fully please the Lord Jesus Christ and enjoy the abundant life that He's planned for His children without ruling your thoughts. As I mentioned earlier, the point here is not overtly wicked thoughts like mental adultery. Jesus dealt with that in Matthew 5.28. Job mentioned it in Job 31.1. That's not my point. My point is thoughts that discourage and depress you because you are thinking improperly about yourself, others, or the Lord and His providence in your life. We're told in the Bible that the devil is a real creature, a being that God created that fell from his first position because of his pride and now is walking about as a spirit and a prince of the power of the air. He and his minions, the devils that fell with him, the angels that fell, are in the air around us. We cannot see them, but it's another mystery of the kingdom of heaven that we know because the Bible tells us. These spirits are out to destroy our Christian profession and to devour us. By devouring us, that doesn't mean they eat us. By devouring us, that doesn't mean they kill us. By devouring us, that means they discourage us enough to be ineffective as the children of God in this world. To be those without the joy of their salvation because thoughts have taken away that joy that the devil loves to sow in our hearts. In Ephesians chapter 6, and it wasn't long ago that I preached to you from this passage, we have the antidote for thoughts. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16 tells us, Above all, well now he's just listed some pretty important pieces of armor. I mean, when you, when you think about truth in verse 14, and righteousness in that verse as well, and peace in verse 15, but then he says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The fiery darts of the wicked are the thoughts that are sown in your heart and mind by the devil. When you think a negative, destructive thought, it is either from your old man and or from the devil himself. 
And both are cured and, and dealt with the same way. You hold up the shield of faith, which is to believe God. You justify God at every turn. He is always right. He is glorious and perfect in all His ways. You believe every one of His promises and you stifle those thoughts. The devil can devour you by your thinking. You're thinking about yourself, others, or God. Whenever you have those thoughts arise in your heart, you need to deal with them. You need to convince yourself that they are lies. There's more than one source of thoughts in your heart. There is you. Did you know that you can talk about your thoughts? Search me, O God, and know my heart. So David was separate from his heart in a certain respect. Try me and know my thoughts. David was separate from his thoughts in a certain respect. Your old man raises thoughts. Your new man makes suggestions. The devil sows fiery darts. Others input through your eyes or your ears things to think. And you make a choice what you're going to believe. And it's that choice we have to deal with. We have to be men and deal with these thoughts as men. David would say to himself in the passage that was read to us from Psalm 42, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? You say, I don't know that it's healthy for a person to talk to himself like that. It's very healthy. God help us to be as healthy as David. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? There was a ruling part of David that said, You are discouraged unnecessarily. Get over it. Hope thou in God. He's still going to be your aid and defense. He's still going to bless you. And he did as we got toward the end of the chapter. This is what we want to learn to deal with. And I've only got a few minutes, and so I'm obviously going to have to go very fast and only touch a few high points. Your thoughts come from within. And the Lord will not allow you to excuse your thoughts on someone else. Remember the Pharisees wanted to accuse Jesus of washing with of eating with unwashed hands. And Jesus said, nothing that comes from without a man can defile the man. It's what comes out of the man that defiles him. And one of the things he listed that comes out of a man that defiles him are evil thoughts. They come from in here. And we need to learn to say, that is a lie, and you're you're talking to yourself. The, the, The person that has lied to you the most in the history of your life is your own heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. That means it's a liar above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? There's not you or me. There's no one in this assembly that can figure out just how deceitful the heart is. But the Lord searches all those thoughts and hearts. And we need to learn to recognize anything that's contrary to this is a lying thought from our old man or the devil. Right here, this governs our thoughts. This is how we think. I hate vain thoughts, David said, but thy law do I love. If you'll love this, this will govern your thoughts. And anything else is a lie and should be discarded and despised and hated and called a lie for what it is. Can you do that? Will you do it? Will we help one another do it? Oh, Lord, have mercy upon us. I'm not going to get into the metaphysical distinctions between soul, spirit, heart, mind, 
uh, you know what, that's territory of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm not going to step into his territory. And if we were to spend any time on that, it would be a waste of time, and it's nonsense anyway. That isn't the lesson. The lesson is, what are you going to do about the thoughts that pop into your mind? Some are good and holy, and do you know where those come from? Those come from your new man and the Holy Spirit of God. Other thoughts pop into your mind that are unholy, that want to destroy you, that tell you to quit, to give up, it doesn't matter, and so forth. Those are lies from your heart, your old man, or the devil. And you need to learn to distinguish between the two and obey the one and hate the other. Why did I say that that's the territory of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because the Bible tells me, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. If that's the property of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not going to try to do it for you. If he can divide between soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, then I'm going to let him do it. And we don't need that lesson anyway. The lesson we need is to hate vain thoughts. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Very quickly, and let me remind you about my job description. It includes getting together with you on a regular basis and going after your thoughts. That's the job of the ministry. My job is not to make you feel good about your thoughts. My job is to go out and attack your thoughts and to bring them into conformity to the words of God. And that's my thoughts as well. When I'm preaching to you, I've already been through this, and I'm preaching to myself again. And I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ with the words coming out of my mouth. Am I as convicted by those words? And am I trembling before them as much as I hope the audience to? 2 Corinthians 10. This is the work of the ministry. Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Paul talking about himself and the other apostles. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. God's ministers were sent by Jesus Christ to pull down the strongholds of your mind and your heart, where you build defenses to protect the way you approach life, to protect your thoughts. I'm to pull down those strongholds, and by the Spirit of God and His Word, which is like a hammer and a fire, your strongholds are not strong enough. If you come humbly seeking for God to bless you, I'm going to break your strongholds down. If you come seeking the will of God for your life, I'm going to cast down your imaginations. I'm going to cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And I'm going to try to bring into captivity every one of your thoughts to the obedience of Christ. That's the work of the ministry. It's not to entertain you. It's not to flatter you. It's not for us all to smile at each other like Robert Schuller. The purpose of the ministry is for an attack upon your thoughts and imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against God until we're all together serving Jesus Christ with a pure mind and proper thinking. Lord, help us. This is a wonderful subject. And we want to be good at it. The Bible tells us that the thought of foolishness is sin. 
Proverbs 24, 9. You don't have to commit the act as long as you're thinking about it. The Lord knows the only thing that's kept you from doing it is the opportunity. So the very thought of foolishness is sin. Don't you think a foolish thought. If, you, if a foolish thought comes up, could it be from the Holy Spirit? Could it be from the new man? Not a chance. The Holy Spirit and your new man never suggest foolishness to your heart or to you to think about. And you should shut them down as lies of the devil or of your old man and deceitful heart. The first thing we need to think about, and I'm really touching the high points because there's a whole lot that can be said on this subject. Let's go after thinking about ourselves. There's one thing we need to recognize. We're all the same. Now, there are some temperamental differences among us. Some of you internalize things more than others. That's a temperamental difference. But we're all subject to like passions. The Bible says that twice. The Bible tells me that Elijah was subject to like passions as I am. That's comforting. Do I ever get discouraged? Oh, thank you, brother. He knows me too well, and he knows that uh, he was speaking as a fool, as the Bible would say. I can get discouraged from time to time. And you know what? I'm thankful to find that in the Bible, Elijah, after calling down fire from heaven and burning up an altar that had been soaked with 12 barrels of water, and it, ate up, it drank up the uh, moat that was around that altar, and after killing 950 prophets of Baal and of the groves, the next day we find him under a juniper tree and wishing that God would just go ahead and kill him because he was so discouraged 24 hours later. Right. You say, how could a man ever do anything like that? Can you ever be in church on Sunday praising the Lord with your whole heart? And you're rejoicing in Him, and by the time Monday comes around, you're pretty whipped already? We are subject to like passions. But now some men do more internal thinking than others. You know, some people, you wonder if they think. Some people think all the time. I'm not trying to be ugly. Some people are just so happy-go-lucky through life, you wonder if they ever have a serious thought about life and what they're doing. But they've got some sometimes, we just haven't noticed. But there are some... This is temperamental differences, and we can't go study temperaments. There are people that internalize everything. We call them introverts. They're always thinking inside. They've got tracks churning all the time that are just thinking about themselves. This isn't going to work. I can't do this. I'm nobody. And just on and on thinking about themselves until they work themselves into destruction. That's foolish thinking about yourself. If you confess your sins... Here's how an introvert will think. If you confess your sins to the Lord, you're sincere. You are sorry for what you did, and you tell the Lord, and you repent from your sin. There are some that have a thought, I don't think God heard me. I don't think God forgave me. They're always second-guessing everything in life. This is so simple to deal with. It's this simple. Did God say, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? It is God's faithfulness that forgives you your sins on a daily basis. It is not your feelings. It is not your faithfulness. It does not matter how many times you sin. It's God's faithfulness and the purchase price of the Lord Jesus Christ that works forgiveness. So there you have a choice. Where did that thought come from? I don't think the Lord forgave me. 
Is that the Holy Spirit? Nope. Never. Ever. Is that the new man? No. no. That is the devil or your lying, deceitful heart and old nature telling you that God hasn't forgiven you. Because if He can get you to think God hasn't forgiven you, you're going to go into a downward spiral of knowing that you are displeasing in the sight of God and you will have an ineffective life. Believe the Word of God. That's the shield of faith. The shield of faith says, I heard the pastor on Sunday use 1 John 1.9 or it memorizes 1 John 1.9 so that it can hold up the shield of faith of 1 John 1.9 when such an idea presents itself in your head. That is how a person that is always thinking on the inside, well, I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like I was forget. I don't feel like God heard my prayer. God hears your prayers regardless of your feelings. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, I only heard the prayers when you were really feeling my presence in the room. He hears prayers by faith. The Christian life is a life of faith. The Old Testament wasn't. You know, sometimes we wish we were back there where there'd be a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to comfort us that God is still there. He wants us to believe it by faith. Right. You know, the disciples wouldn't believe that He was resurrected from the dead until they saw Him, and Thomas in particular could actually touch the wounds. That is by sight. But the Lord Jesus Christ Himself on that very occasion said, they are more blessed that are able to believe on Me without seeing Me. Thomas, I'm glad that you're finally convinced because you were able to touch me. But blessed are they that believe on me without seeing me. It is a matter of faith. We trust and we believe the word of God. We have bet our lives and our futures on the word of God being true. That is why we call ourselves Bible Christians. We have bet everything. We have bet the whole farm on the word of God. We wouldn't even know about the Lord Jesus Christ were it not for the Bible. We are Bible, then Christian. We are not Christian, then Bible. You wouldn't know about Christ without the Bible. This is where our faith rests. This is the Word of God, and He's put it in writing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You don't have to come in here and hear me tell you about some vision or dream I had. Because you should question that. (laughs) You should throw me out the window. But we have it in writing. And this is what we're to believe. And these can put down the thoughts that arise in your heart. If any thought causes you to be discouraged or depressed or withdrawn from the Lord's people or inactive, you stop doing what you have been doing, reading the Bible, loving the saints. Where did that thought come from? It did not come from the Holy Ghost or from your new man. It came from the devil or your old nature. You are able to distinguish your thoughts that arise. And you have got to measure them and identify them as either from the Lord and from your new man which is from the Lord or from the devil himself and from your old man that walks according to the course of this world and the prince of the power of the air. You have to make that distinguishing choice and put down the one and believe the other. The Bible says when I was a child... I thought as a child, but when, when I became a man, I put away childish things. It is childish thinking to think negative thoughts about yourself until you stop doing what you ought to be doing. Have you ever said words like this? Lord, forgive me before I even start. I can't do it. Inside. I can't do it. 
You hear a sermon, you read the Word of God, you know what you ought to do, and you say, I can't do it. It doesn't really matter if I try anyway. I'm just going to fail again. I'm going to hold back so at least I won't fail again. It didn't work before, why should it work this time? I'm going to wait till I'm stronger. Where did all those thoughts come from? They did not come from God the Holy Spirit. They came from the devil. Because if you will entertain one of those thoughts and let them start playing with you, you will go into inactivity and you will accomplish nothing for the Lord Jesus Christ. The cause that you should be fighting that I preached about this morning will be a lost cause. You will no longer be fighting the good fight of faith because you have let thoughts like that discourage you. And you have got to learn, and the reason we're doing this is for our children to understand as well, thoughts come into your mind from different sources, and you need to identify, is that a lie or is that the truth? And there's a simple way to tell. How does it measure up with the Word of God and living a life of fighting the good fight of faith? If it causes you to relax, to quit, to be discouraged, or to withdraw, it's from the devil. If it's to promote the truth of God and to love the brethren, it's from the Lord. Follow the one and hate the other and learn to despise it and put it down. If you're a man, you learn to put down childish things and childish thoughts. Lord, help us to do this. You can't hide by shirking duties or going to bed. Oh, listen, brethren, I'm I'm ashamed, but I'm not that ashamed. I've been discouraged in my life at times where I just want to go hide. I just, want to, I just want to go, just get away from everything for a little while and just hide. And I'll go hide in, I'll go hide in bed sometimes. Don't worry, it's not very often. But it's happened enough that I can tell you about it, and I know it firsthand. And I know that some of you have told me about it. How does it happen? Entertaining those little thoughts until you're rendered ineffective. And as soon as you're not doing anything and feeling sorry for yourself and, not, and wanting to withdraw from your duties, you have, in, you have allowed a thought from the devil to control your life. Right. Now, there's another way to go to bed. And this is what some of you might be thinking, but what if the Holy Spirit wants me to go to bed? Here's how the Holy Spirit takes you to bed. And I love this verse. It's one of my favorite verses. It's a life-saving verse of the Bible. Amen. Psalm 127 and verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to stay up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. There's a time when you've done your reasonable best in a day's activities. Forget the rest. If you try to stay up later and do it yourself, you are defying the God of heaven that says, he keeps the city and he builds the house without you. There's a point where you say, I've done my reasonable best for today. I'm now going to go to sleep. I use that on Saturday nights because I'll tell you something about me and those of you that know me at all know this about me. There's never ever a sermon preparation that is proper. It should always have more work put into it. Always. And it drives me crazy when I listen to those thoughts. That's why I said Psalm 127 and verse 2 is a lifesaver. Do you know what I do now? Do you know what my cure is for an, an unfinished sermon? Doesn't this sound good? This is my Lord. This is how good he is to us. I go to bed. I go to bed. Now, I didn't play golf all day. I can promise you that. When I go to bed using Psalm 127 and verse 2, I've done my reasonable best. But do you know what? When you're in that bed and you're eating the bread of sorrows, have you ever taken crackers to bed with you? Have you ever taken bread to bed with you and you're eating the bread of sorrows? 
You're laying in that bed feeling sorry for, sorry for yourself. That's the kind of bedtime that you shouldn't allow yourself. You go to bed with Psalm 127 because you are doing the Lord's will and you're doing it the best you can to a reasonable point and then you quit. Lord, thank you for so. What's that verse worth? There's people that pay hundreds of dollars for seminars on how to have a happy and successful life. Well, I just gave you one from Psalm 127 and verse 2. That is a useful verse. It will save you. It starts out that chapter, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You can't make a perfect family. God will bless you to make a perfect family. Except the watchman wake, uh, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It, and then it, it is vain for you to rise up early, to stay up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. He only wants you to do your reasonable best, and he'll take care of the rest. Amen. And he does. He's able to multiply loaves and fishes. I come into this pulpit with, with a few little loaves and fishes, and he's able to feed the multitude. At least sometimes I think he may. See? See how negative thinking works? You trust God. I can only give him what he gave me. He knows that. You know, he's, he knows how many cards he dealt me. And it may not be 52. But the hand he dealt me, I'm going to use it the best I can and forget the rest. And he takes care of it in a glorious way. Are you able to do that? Will you do that? If you don't do it, the devil will destroy your life. Psalm 119. Amen. I'm not going to finish today. I'm going to stay with this one point and that's it. Psalm 119. I'm sorry. If you felt that you got cheated, go back into the box over there and pull out a little bit. I don't like that. I don't like whipping myself through a race, getting faster and faster and cutting off too many things that need to be said. Right now, we're thinking about thoughts about yourself. I can't do it. Have you ever, I can't get it all done. You know what the best cure for that is? I hope if it's at nighttime, the best cure for that is to quit. If you've worked hard that day, you don't have to work. It doesn't have to be the most exhausting day of your life. The Lord doesn't expect you to work the most exhausting day of your life every day. That's what those little thoughts would expect you to do. If you've worked a reasonable amount that day and you've applied yourself and you've been diligent, then go to bed and sleep on it. Now, when some people say that, they're just saying it without faith. We're saying it in faith in God's Word. Amen. Uh, yes, I'm back there stroking and showing you the beauty of Psalm 127 in verse 2. Never forget it. It is wonderful. I can't do it. Let me read those again. It doesn't really matter. I'm just going to fail again. I'm going to hold back so that I don't fail again in that area. It didn't work before. Why should it work this time? I'm going to wait till I'm stronger. I'm going to wait till it's better. I'm going to wait till I feel more like it. Well, guess what? If you tell yourself, I'm going to wait until I feel more like it, you're never going to feel more like it because the devil's not going to let you feel more like it. You've already given him a place in your life by allowing that foolish thought I'll do it when I feel more like it. We don't do anything by feelings that way. Right. We do it by faith. And God's already said it, and that settles it. What God has said we should do, we do it whether we have feelings or not. Some of you have told me, yes, but when I'm doing it by faith, I just feel like I'm a hypocrite. Feel any way you want. You're lying to yourself, and why do you want to tell me your lies? I'm not going to believe them. That little lie, I'm being a hypocrite when I do it by faith and not by feelings, Anybody ever have that? Oh, you all sit there and stare at me. 
You've all had those thoughts. If I do it by faith, then my heart's not really in it. No, that is your heart. That's the heart you want. The heart that's dealing with feelings is not the heart you want. The heart you want is what believes God by faith and does it. And do you know what? If you'll do it by faith, the feelings will come because God will grant you the feelings as you obey by faith. And that is the only way to get proper feelings. You put feelings first, you're not going to have real feelings and you're not going to do anything by faith. You're going to displease God and yourself. You put faith first, you'll please God and He'll give you real feelings that are lasting joy. Not the temporal joy of the hypocrite. Job 20 and verse 5. Any thoughts that lead you to withdrawal from the people of God? I don't think I'll go tonight. I just don't feel like going. Where did that thought come from? That does not come from a man who says, is there not a cause? That comes from a lying spirit. Don't even allow that kind of thinking. That is wrong. There is a simple faith-based solution for all of my choices in life, and that's what I'm going to go with, not with feelings. Any thoughts that lead to your withdrawal or your depression or your inactivity are lying thoughts of the devil. Don't listen to them. Shut them down and choose to think God, faith-based thoughts. Thoughts that from the Lord and that agree with His Word. Right. I'm just, I'm just, haven't amounted to very much. You know, and this area isn't as good. Look at my kids. They're so disappointing. Look at my wife. She's disappointing. Look at me. I'm disappointing. Pretty soon, everything is disappointing. My whole life is a... Have you ever got to the place where you... Listen. Have you ever said the words or have you ever heard anyone else say them? Everything's going wrong. How many things does it usually take for you to say everything's going wrong? Let's be realistic. Two Two. or three? One? You're bad. (laughs) Where does that kind of thinking come from? Everything's going wrong. Somebody comes to try to help you. What's wrong? Everything. Can you believe the way we talk? Where did that thought come from? Everything is wrong? Let's start with the God of heaven. Amen. Is he Amen. still there? Yes. In the beginning, God. And in the end, God. And in between, God. And God is always there and he never changes. Right. How in the world can we say everything is wrong when God hasn't changed a bit? You know, a rain cloud comes over and we think that it's ugly outside. But just a couple thousand feet up, is it beautiful as any day? Right. Yes, the sun is still shining up there and the Lord is still shining. Every day, no matter if you're... You can say everything all the way till you're asleep. But that is sinning because you are allowing unproductive thoughts from the devil and from your old man. That is not how we are to live. That is not how we are to think. We are to put those thoughts down as lies. We are to ask the Lord, try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And Lord, if I have a habit of allowing a few evil circumstances to get the better of me until I think that all is lost and everything's going wrong and I'm a failure and I can't amount to anything, so I might as well quit. I know that now that those are all thoughts of the devil and I need to hate those thoughts. Lord, help me hate them. 
Lord, help me think right thoughts based on your word that if I give my reasonable best, you will do the rest and I can go to sleep and have peaceful sleep as your beloved because that's what you want for me. Can you do that? That is successful living. You saw David in Psalm 42 where he said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He recognized that there was part of him trying to go down and was actually down. But there was... It's, it's really pretty strange, isn't it? There was a part of him that was down. There was a part of him that knew that it shouldn't be down. Right. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Because you have a part that can choose. And so he was making the choice, hope, thou in God. Hope. Don't get discouraged. Yes, things look bleak right now. It was bleak in Psalm 42. It was very bleak. David had been anointed king of Israel, but Saul was chasing him for years. He had to go and live among the Philistines. He had to go to the city of Gath, the hometown of Goliath, and take up residence there to be saved from King Saul who was chasing him. Now, when was the last time you had circumstances like that? When did you have to go make home among the Philistines? We may have some things come up that are similar, but that is terrible. He hadn't been with the people of God. He's remembering what it was like on holy days to go to the tabernacle worship. He remembered being with the happy throng as they were singing songs of praise because he hadn't been there in a while. We get it every Sunday. We get it every Wednesday. David had some real circumstances and they were negative. And part of him wanted to be discouraged by them. But he said, soul, why are you cast down? Hope in God. He is going to yet deliver me out of this predicament and put me back with the congregation of the Lord. And the Lord did that for him. That's proper thinking. Look at Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. I'm almost done. Just give me a couple more verses here to explain to you. And may we go out of this place and Lord help us rule our thoughts in a way that would be pleasing to thee so that we would live lives of faith and that we would be able to say at everything that we face, is there not a cause, and go do something righteous about it instead of being discouraged and withdrawing from the battle. Proverbs 16 and verse 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. When you say to yourself, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. Well, take whatever is in front of you and commit it to the Lord. If you will take what is in front of you and commit it to the Lord, the Lord will give you more light and understanding on other things. You take your life one step at a time by what's in front of you and commit it to the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. If you want to sit and fret about everything in your life, fretting doesn't do a bit of good. There's no value in fretting. Fretting is not Holy Spirit self-examination. Fretting is doubtful, faithless thinking about your predicament. Whatever you see in front of you that God has made clear enough from His Word, just go do it and commit the rest to Him. Tell the Lord, I am going to do everything according to Your Word. I am going to make every choice the way You would want me to make it. It's amazing how easily your thoughts can be established and things sort themselves out when you put the Lord first. You know, He is the God of Babel. If you don't want to do it His way, He can leave you in confusion. He confounded the tongues of all men because they didn't want to do things His way at Babel. And He's done it ever since in other ways. 
it behooves you to commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Psalm 119. O Lord, establish our thoughts. Establish our thoughts in Your Word. Teach us to hate vain thoughts. You know, we often quote that verse, I hate vain thoughts, but Thy law do I love. We quote that verse, and while we're quoting it, we're saying, I like that verse. That's a powerful verse from Psalm 119. We're thinking about vain thoughts on the outside, like the vain thoughts of Mormonism, the vain thoughts of Catholicism, the vain thoughts of the Jehovah's Witnesses. We're thinking vain thoughts out there. But really, where do you spend most of your time with vain thoughts? Are they from out there or are they from in here? They're from in here. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Let's try to think Bible thoughts, godly thoughts, faith-based thoughts. That's the shield of faith. What God has said, what God has promised, that's how I'm going to think. Not the way that this little thing inside me keeps telling me. And some of you, I know it's at high speed and it's operating 24-7. I can relate. Shut it off. Push the stop button. I am not going to listen to that voice. Those thoughts that are coming up into my soul and into my heart and mind are wrong. Those are not productive. I'm going to think on God's Word and God will take care of the rest. If you want to think about yourself, here's what you can think about. Psalm 119, verse 59. Psalm 119, 59. I thought on my ways and went to bed because I was so discouraged that I wouldn't be able to survive. I thought on my ways and quit. I thought on my ways and thought God had forsaken me. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. That is what you should think. If you're going to think about your ways, I'll tell you right off the bat, if you want mental health, you think about God's ways. Think on what He's done for you. Think about what God has done. That will lift you out of the cesspool of this world. Think on heavenly things. The whole Bible's full of it. There's nothing wrong with Bible stories. Read First and Second Samuel. Read them again. Read First and Second Kings. Read them again. Think on those things. It'll lift your thoughts. But if you're going to think on yourself, then think on your ways and turn your feet unto God's commandments. Don't think on your ways and say, look what a failure I am. Look at how miserably I'm doing. I don't think the Lord's blessing me. No, that isn't godly thinking. Godly thinking is reacting in repentance and seeking out the Lord again and His Word. You know, it's so simple to say all this. And it sounds so easy. But we all know better, don't we? Because those thoughts are internal to us. We think that they're ours. And they sort of are. You have an old man, but thank God you're going to die soon. You're going to leave that old man right here behind. And you're going to go into heaven with only a new man. Just disown that guy. I hate those thoughts. And ask the Lord to give you strength to say to your soul, Why art thou cast down? I'm going to hope in God. To say to your soul, Okay, I'll go ahead and think about my ways, but I'm only thinking about them for one purpose. What am I doing wrong in my life that I can repent for right now and correct to please you more perfectly? You heard read to you 1 Samuel chapter 30. David was running from King Saul. Israel and the Philistines were at war. 
he could not go fight with the people of God against the Philistines. This is the Goliath killer. This is 1 Samuel 30. David knew that his nation was at war with the Philistines and he couldn't engage in it because to go home would subject himself to the efforts of King Saul to kill him. After three days of a hard journey away from the battlefield, he comes to his home in Ziklag. When he gets there, the Amalekites have hit the city and taken every single thing and burned it with fire. After three days of hard riding, when you are already very discouraged because you're not with the people of God being their champion, which God had made David to be, as they come up over a hill, they see smoke coming up from the location of their city, and when they get there, every wife... Every son and every daughter is gone. And then his own friends turned against him and they wanted to stone him. That's what we just had read to us from 1 Samuel 30, the first eight verses. Right. Do you know what it says? It says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen. There's a God in heaven that is going to take care of me. He anointed me to be king over Israel. I haven't been king yet, so I know he's still got plans for me. But he didn't stop there. Sometimes you may wonder, what does it mean to encourage yourself in the Lord? It means to raise the shield of faith and believe the goodness of God in the land of the living. Isn't that what he did in Psalm 42? Hope thou in God. I shall yet see him in the land of the living. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's Psalm 27, 13, and 14. The first thing is to do is to believe without a doubt God is good and God's promises are sure. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a promise. Lay hold of that and absolutely believe it and shut down any thought to the contrary. That's the first thing he did. He encouraged himself in the Lord. The second thing he did is he went and did something. You can't do that in bed. He called Abiathar the priest immediately. He called Abiathar the priest that he had, and he said, Inquire of the Lord. Should I pursue after them right now, or will I capture them? What did Abiathar say? Go and pursue them, and you'll get them. And he took off to go get them, and he recovered all. Two things. He encouraged himself in the Lord by believing the goodness and the promises of God, and then he did something about it. He went and he stepped forward by faith in activity. The example I've given before is Peter stepped over the gunwale of that ship onto that water. Are you able to do that by faith? Sometimes you will have, you'll be facing something and you'll tell yourself, I can't do it, it's too confusing, I'm going to fail again. Step over the gunwale and go do something with faith in God. He will bless your effort. It's only when you start looking at the winds and the waves that you begin to sink. Forget all that. That's dropping the shield of faith. You're letting down the promises of God that he is good and faithful, and you're looking at the wind and waves. Keep the shield of faith up. Jesus said, come to me. I'm going to step over this gunnel and walk on water. I'm going to be the first apostle to walk on water and then stay there. Two things. God is good, and God's promises are sure. Believe that, and then act upon it. David encouraged himself in the Lord and then got back on his horse. And the Lord gave him everything back. Amen. The Lord will give you everything back if you will believe his goodness and his faithfulness and his promises and act instead of withdrawing and becoming inactive 
because your thoughts have discouraged you. May the Lord bless you and me this week. That when those thoughts arise, and brethren, your, your, your hearts and heads are churning right now. When those thoughts arise, I'm going to shut them down by the word of God. I am, I'm going to hate vain thoughts, even if they're my vain thoughts, and I'm going to love his law. You can't stop thinking. You're thinking all the time. If you try to stop thinking right now, you're thinking about not thinking. You can't stop thinking. And brethren, sometimes those thoughts are coming from horrible sources. And I beg you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to hate everyone that's contrary to his word and exalt everyone that's according to his word. And let's follow the leadings of the Holy Spirit through our new man this week. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen.